uh, in all its extremities, in all its difficulties at the moment. With us on the panel is His Excellency Salvatore Shakitiano, who is the president of ICAO, which is, for those who are not familiar, the UN body responsible for aviation. Sir Tim needs no introduction, but he'll get one anyway. Uh, Sir Tim uh, of Emirates, Sir Tim Clark. Uh, Luis Felipe de Oliveira is the, from ACI, which is the Airports Council International, and the Senator Hadi Serika from Nigeria, who is with us today as the Minister of Aviation from Nigeria. There is much to talk about <coughs> as we go through this. We start, of course, you can't talk about the future of aviation at the moment and not talk about Ukraine and Russia. So to you, sir, ICAO is the UN body responsible for aviation. Are you going to, cut to, are you going to suspend or kick Russia out? Thank you, Richard, for this easy question. I would say that uh, the role of ICAO is not to suspend member states. Of course, this is uh, to, to adopt standards and to support member states to implement them well. When there are violations, of course, there will be actions to be taken, but will not be taken just without the due process. The situation in, uh, in, in Ukraine is generating a serious concern for us. For safety perspectives, for due to the flight over and the near conflict zones, and the, the consequences of that will uh, determine in the short, medium, and long term. If you wish, we can address a little more. Right, but let's just take the Russia issue, because Russia is also before ICAO, or will be, for the tribunal over MH17, which was shot down. So I guess if ICAO is to have any credibility, sir you have to be seen to take action on one or other front. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there is a specific provision in the Chicago Convention where the Council of ICAO is a role of a judge, is a court that can take actions, but uh, there is a due process uh, to be done. You mentioned MH17. Just uh, last week, Australia and uh, the Netherlands mm -hmm. submitted to ICAO what is called the file under Article uh, 84. That's a dispute submitted to the Council of ICAO, and the, ICAO will, uh, the Council of ICAO will address this issue with hearings, of course, and if there will be a responsibility that will be determined by the Council as a court, as a judicial court, actually, from this perspective, can even take a decision to suspend the right to be part of the organization. I guess but, what there is a need to know, but I guess what people want to know, and then we'll move on, I guess what people want to know is that something's going to be done. That it's not, I mean, a, a good example is the UNWTO, which says it's going to suspend Russia, but it's going to take three months to do it. It will require a due process. That doesn't mean three months or six months. That means that there will be a need to submit all the evidences, and then the council can decide. So, Tim, how difficult is aviation at the moment? You're coming out of a pandemic. The, 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 there's huge demand, and then you've got this. Well, let's just deal with COVID first. It's probably the most traumatic thing that's hit the airline business and the global economy since the uh, Second World War. And we're having to deal with that, and you're absolutely right. We're now seeing a resurgence of demand across all our uh, uh, countries on our network and the segments within those. So we're actually seeing some very good uh, positive uh, 
uh, movement across our network. But at the same time, now we have the uh, Ukrainian issue, which, of course, um, is possibly more serious in terms of civil aviation and other uh, areas in the global economy than, than uh, the uh, COVID pandemic. And I say that simply because from a civil aviation point of view, from an airline point of view, the notion that the going forward with the, uh, what I would call the economic iron curtain moving to the east and the exclusion of Russia in the future and its civil aviation uh, power that it has is going to cause a tectonic shift in the way um, airlines and the aviation business goes about its business. It you say it's going to, it's already caused it, hasn't it? I mean, you've got the, the least aircraft in Russia that are now in some no man's land, yeah. if you will. You've got overflight, which is not possible. How do you see the, how do you see it developing out, if you will? Personal opinion, um, like all major traumas that face the uh, global community in the last 70 years, there will be a resolution to this, one way or the other. It cannot go on indefinitely. Nobody's going to win on this, and everybody will suffer if we're not careful, not the least of which are the people in Ukraine. So it has, we have to find, the global community has to find a resolution. And surprisingly, if you'd asked me this question 20 years ago, the same thing had happened, I would say, yes, this looks like a paradigm shift in what's going to happen to the global economy. But if this gets sorted sooner rather than later, the pressure of globalization, the pressure of demand from multiple sectors within the global economy uh, will be such that we can get through this. The longer it goes on, the more difficult it becomes to uh, deal with. I need to ask you that you're still flying to Russia. Why? Well, there's two reasons. Um, obviously, the, uh, the ownership um, ha have not directed us to do otherwise. And so, so as long as we uh, are not told not to operate to... Um, Russia, we will continue to do so. Um, but don't forget, th these sanctions are not against the Russian people, the Russian citizens. They still are people like you and me, and they want to be able to travel. There are lots of reasons why we fly. We carry humanitarian uh, uh, goods in our, in our holds. We've got uh, NGOs traveling in and out of Russia. We've got the diplomatic community going in and out of Russia. And a lot of the developing world, which is perhaps not part of the sanctions regime, need to deal with Russia in their own way. So all we're doing is being an enabler facilitator uh, without taking a political position on this at the time, for the time being. And so long as the state, our owner, uh, requires us to fly there, we will continue. Turning to the airports, ACI, as we come out of the pandemic, and we've now got more turmoil. What is it you want from governments, from regulators? Well, I think we start with uh, the one, one topic that I always touch base. The first one is that we are one of the safest transport in the world, and um, safest industries in the world. And uh, we are now in a position that uh, we are in the hands of the health authorities. That's why basically the aviation lost the power to take their own decisions. In that way, we cannot harmonize a system, and you cannot harmonize a system that you go to the risk bureau basis as requests by the health authorities. But we did a dreadful job during the pandemic of harmonizing restrictions, regulations. Uh, would you agree? 
Well, we supported the work that ICAO did. Uh, ICAO did the Consul uh, Facial Recovery Task Force that basically provide the guidelines to the countries to reopen. But the country's minister ignored in many cases what ICAO said. They said, don't close down. They said, you don't need to do this. They said, you don't. And the countries did it anyway. Well, uh, the countries have to do it at the time. Look at the case of Nigeria. We have 200 million people in Nigeria. And most of them living closely together. In cities jam-packed by 20 million people, Lagos. 40 million people, Kano. Something got to be done, otherwise people will die. So we went on, closed the country immediately at the time. And that's why in Nigeria, up to today, there are only 3,500 deaths and just about 250,000 infections and 245,000 discharged from hospitals. Do you believe those so, numbers? Yes, I do. Otherwise, you would have seen Nigerians going to the grave unexplained. Yes. <clears throat> so it worked very well, but then gradually it began to ease out and business is coming. Don't forget, at the time before COVID, Nigeria aviation becomes the fastest growing sector of the economy. Right, the airlines are doubled, the passenger number quadrupled, number of airlines doubled, number of airports doubled, all within right. the Buhari administration of six years. Now, in the interest of transparency, I did discuss this with the minister. He knows where I'm going here. Are you committed to having an open, transparent, private sector aviation industry with open skies? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we came in in 2015, the Buhari government, to which I have become a minister so far, we are committed to a roadmap to establish a national carrier, to concession the airports, to set up a leasing company, to establish cargo facilities, and we've just been doing that and aviation has quadrupled. Why do you want a national carrier? So because Nigeria is situated at the center of Africa, equidistant from all location, Africa is 30.4 million square kilometers of landmass, 1.4 billion people, a very green and virgin land. And Nigeria, if Central and West Africa is the belt of Africa, Nigeria is the buckle. Because 200 million people, <clears throat> rising middle class, propensity to fly is high. Nigeria is a candidate for a national carrier. That's why Emirates- A private national carrier or a private, state? Private, private, 100% private, 5% government, and no government step in rights in that airline no government control, no membership or board, totally private, I, committed to private sector. You won't be able to keep your hands off it. No, no, who says? Who I says do, it? I've seen uh, it before. Well, but whatever we said we would do in this right. government from 2015, it has happened. That's why, that's mm. why Tim Clark today, Emirates, Qatar, all of them, they are looking to go to Nigeria in multiple frequencies and multiple landing points because Nigeria is the candidate, the best country to provide airline business because the people travel Would you get involved? next to nothing. Would you get involved if you could? I, I think, um, well, let me just take the first question you asked, Minister. Is there a business case for a, a, a national carrier, private carrier, whatever it may be? Of course there is, because for the very, very reasons he said, it's a powerhouse of Africa. So there is an enormous compelling business case to do it. And quite honestly, and as the Minister says, we're all very interested in flying there because it's a very rich, uh, a nation in terms of the demand for services and, of course, the price that people are prepared to pay. And the Nigerians are seeking to travel all over the world, so right. it's clear for me that that's the case. If 
the Nigerian government, the minister, needs some assistance in, in how they go about and perhaps a blueprint of it, we are very happy to help them. But I would say, not to be too disingenuous to ourselves, I think they've got the wherewithal. They've obviously, from what I've just heard, they are clearly understanding what needs to be done and they're doing it. And I think probably in the next year, they'll have a, a very good carrier flying and good luck to them. I hope they come to Dubai. Thank you very because, much. Because there's so much demand. On this question with airports, I want to talk about the, the on-the-ground experience. Well, it's pretty awful in many cases. Most of the airports in, the, in Africa and the two-thirds of the airports in the world are the, in the hands of the governments. And uh, what is especially for Africa itself, not only for Nigeria, Nigeria uh, Africa has 15% of the global population, only 2% of the global air traffic. That's why the potential is huge, not only in Nigeria itself, but in the whole continent. That's why we need to find a way that we can break the restrictions that we have to fly inside of Africa and outside of Africa to bring more passengers the opportunity to fly there. If we look at the aviation globe, industry globally, do you think the slot restriction and the slot method, I saw Tim wince <laughs> at the mention of slots, do you think it needs a wholesale revision? Yes. The 80% rule in this pandemic didn't work for airlines, for airports. I think we need to revisit the process. That's why the regulatory framework that is applied today need to revisit at a certain point. What I saw is that there's a lot of integration and discussion between the airlines, these lots coordinations, and the airports to apply different approach according with the region, according to the specifics of the region that we are facing today. Do you see Tim, Europe, still protectionist when it comes to aviation? Um, I think this could be uh, a byproduct of what is happening in the European geopolitics at the moment. So we're just a little bit worried that that might happen. Um, but as I said earlier, the, the pressure of globalization, the, the multiple sectors within it will push us through that. To the problem about slots, the slot issues are a product of non-availability. That's what it's all about. And so long as uh, uh, the airports, the governments, whatever in the world, do not invest in airports to create more uh, uh, capabilities, then the slot issue is going to become far more acute in the next five or ten years. Uh, one looks at Heathrow, Third Runway, Sydney, Hong Kong, you name it, uh, Sao Paulo, they've all got major issues. The problem is that if you are going to invest in these airports, it either re requires government or state or private backing, um, a lot of the balance sheets of right. the airports are shot to pieces, so that's going to be a problem. So that's why we're keeping the 380 flying for as long as we can, because those slots are going to be highly attractive. To Not sites. with fuel prices at the current levels. You know, we've dealt with fuel prices at $140 uh, back in May right. 2009. They're down a bit now. We're just going to have to manage through it. We will. So how do you make ICAO relevant? I mean, at the moment, it's an organization, you know, I can think in 20 years of, 30 years of covering aviation, I've interviewed somebody from ICAO, I was going to say the, hands, the fingers of one hand, but I would say the fingers on the fingers of one hand. Well, you have an opportunity to start a new phase. Actually, with the new, the change of, of, of leadership in ICAO, we have launched a modernization process. Modernization process, that means this is an organization that has uh, 70 years. And that is good for the rules that are very solid. 
not good for the practices that have been, uh, let's say, overlap uh, years after years. So we have launched a process of modernization. I would say that the experience done with the pandemic is an example on a different approach that we adopted, for example, in cooperation with the industry. Cooperation with the industry became closer, and the recommendation, we were not prepared for the pandemic. That's a matter of fact. Nobody was prepared, including ICAO. So, but the ability to react has been fast, thanks to a different approach, in particular with the industry. You mentioned that a recommendation has been not implemented by governments or not fully implemented mm -hmm. by the government. This is very disappointing because we have seen that closing the borders more on emotional reactions than the actual evidence has been not effective. So as we come to the end, a couple of minutes left, uh, curious, Minister, when you cease to be Minister, What's the one change you will have hoped to have affected? What's the one thing you want to have seen happen in Nigeria's aviation industry? Well, um, I would like to see that Nigerian aviation industry continue to be private sector led and driven, um, and that uh, there is more efficiency and safety in the sector. And doing that, we have added 50 million capacity to four airports recently. We're building more runways. We're treating the issues of ANS and all of those things that will make aviation smooth, efficient, safe, and the most preferred option of transportation. And if you look at uh, continentally Africa, um, the only way that AU Agenda 2063 can be achieved, really, is by aviation, because right. rail and road takes a tremendous amount of quantum money to establish and to maintain over a continent of 54 countries in 30.4 square kilometers of land. Director General, you're not going to answer this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Your favorite airport? My favorite airport? You're, I'll be in trouble if I do that. Sorry? <laughs> I will be in trouble if I do that. <laughs> we have a very good quality system that analyzes airports for different sizes, and we have more than 100 airports that receive awards last year. That's why it depends on the size, depends on the size, depends Okay, on the... I'll rephrase the question. Okay. The airport you dread going through. <laughs> One airport I used to live in Netherlands many, many years, and I think it's because of the size of the airport, I love to connect, for example, in Amsterdam. It's a great airport to connect, but if I need to take my favorite airport was Geneva. I spent 15 years living there. Oh, so diplomatic it was easy to answer. connect. And the most beautiful airport in the world is Santos Dumont in Rio de Janeiro, Rio City Airport. That's but you gave, Abuja, you gave Abuja an award. <laughs> Abuja award. An award, yes. One of you gave Abuja one. an award. <laughs> yes, he gave Abuja an award. Mm. Less because, than. because... Was it a bad day for the other airports? No, no, no. He, he, no, he has seen that we've improved the capacity of civil aviation in Nigeria. 8 million to 18 million passengers in four years. Aviation, we have debunked in Nigeria that aviation doubles every 15 years. It is now quadrupling in Nigeria under Buhari in six years. Tim, are you going to have the last laugh with these A380s? Everybody thinks you are barking mad having mm. these planes. Four engines, lots of seats high fuel prices, expensive airports. Mm. Well, um, in answer to the question, in the time that we've had them and prior to the pandemic, they produced about 80% of our profits, irrespective of all the things you men mentioned. Uh, we have a wonderful... Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure whether that was for your profits or for the plane. Well, look, look, I mean, we, we're making profits now. We're very cash positive. Things are going really right. well. We have all these airplanes flying. 
They are going to be more unique going forward. The consumer demand for these aeroplanes is astronomical. We're going to refurbish them, refresh them, put more innovation into them. They're going to be something really special over the next 10 or 15 years. Watch the space. Watch the space indeed. We're out of time, short but to the point. The future of aviation. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you.